Welcome back to Made in the 80s, a podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have... Ken. Hey, Kendon. So, another week, another uh, podcast episode. This week, we're talking about blood sport. Kumite. Yeah, we're going to go to the Kumite. Um, And turns out, a movie about a real-life person, Mr. Deuce. I, I really appreciated that that happened at the very, very end. I was like, I'm just watching this movie. And they're like, oh, no, no, this this kind of happened. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this, yeah. you know, changes everything I just saw in retrospect. Yeah, totally. Like, now I get to rewatch this whole thing with another perspective. Um, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit. I'll put the timestamp in the show notes. Uh, last week, we did, like, a long intro before we got into our topic. I don't think we're probably going to be going that long this week. But we'll see. Um Friends, if you want to jump straight to Bloodsport, go for it. Um, but in the meantime, we are going to go back to the 80s. Kendon, can you give us a color, please? The pink. Pink. What kids show on HBO from Jim Henson featured a talking, all-knowing trash heap named Marjorie? Fraggle Rock. Come, Come down to Fraggle Rock. Come to Fraggle Rock. We gotta do Fraggle Rock. I loved Fraggle Rock when I was a kid. I did. I did too. They reminded me of Flintstones pebbles. Fruity pebbles. I think because they were colorful. They're also colorful. I wanted to eat them. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're a monster. (laughs) You wanna eat the Fraggle Rocks? Well, I mean, weren't the Gorgons or whatever they called, they, did they want to capture or eat the Fraggles? Do you remember? I don't remember. Okay. Because there was like three different, well, there's like four different levels. There were like these big monster things. There was the the Sprocket guy who, he was an inventor. He was like a regular human. Then there was the Fraggles and then there's the Dozers. And the Dozers were like, their stuff was, they were always building but the fraggles were always eating their buildings. So I don't, um, I don't no, have this memory this really of Fraggle Rock at all. Um, but I will say that preview to when we finally have an episode on Fraggle Rock, clearly mm. an influence if that's the case, because um, trolls, right? Like I haven't seen World Tour yet, but that was like the concept of trolls was like they were food. <laughs> like mm. the human wanted to eat them. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Fraggle Rock. I think Carmel wanted to do Fraggle Rock with us. She That'd sent me fun. a YouTube video about the, the origins of Fraggle Rock. There's also a fun, um, one of our friends, Ariel, did, like, sent us a link to, like, um, 80s McDonald's, or it was, like, 80s and 90s McDonald's, um, just things. And so, like, remember how they had those, like, burger seats that you would sit on, like, shape of a burger? And, yeah. Um, the my favorite forest or something yeah and like my favorite was the um transformers they had mcdonald's food that was transformers um and i was telling them like i didn't know transformers at all like that's not a cartoon that was on my radar and so um were there any boys at your school not that i talked to (laughs) (laughs) not that i talked to um and so yeah like i had the little like egg mcmuffin transformer and like i was like this is so cool and i loved the toy but like that was my no no, like that was my understanding oh. of farmers was like wow. this thing. Yeah. So that was a fun article to like kind of look at and like see the pictures and stuff. It's kind of fun to think about. They, they had really good we toys, kids. but like I think 
so there I, I got from them like these these kind of they weren't obviously tonka trucks but they were like monster truck like um they looked like matchbox but they were plastic instead of metal and they had these big like uh, like rubbery wheels i remember that but the best toy from the time were these things called z-bots there was these little robot guys that but it was burger king instead but uh, <laughs> it was early 90s i don't know kevin i might challenge really you on good that. Toys i was out. gonna say i had some great toys i don't think the z-bot was the best well no because z-bots <laughs> z-bots was, it was an example of toys that you could buy that was a tie-in at at burger king it was like Oh, like there's a hundred different Z-Bots, but at, at, there's an, there's like five specific ones at Burger King and they're good ones. They're actually like good. Yeah. Well, do you remember the mini be- Beanie Babies? This is getting into like the later 90s, but they had like the little mini Beanie Babies. Hmm. Um, and like Beanie Babies were like such a thing and yeah, definitely collecting them and stuff. And so it's fun when they were at McDonald's and getting them. Anyway, okay. So that's like a little bit of a walk down memory lane. Let's come back to the 20s and talk about what's going on in this world. Um, do you guys have any news? Uh, I, my, I, there's a lot going on in the world, and I don't want to necessarily get too deep into it. But one interesting thing to me is that um, Lego has decided to stop marketing any of their sets with police officers in it. Is that true? I heard it wasn't. No one sure if it was true. No, it's. I've seen multiple. They're not. They're not um, discontinuing them. They're just not marketing them anymore. What Which I would, is funny because on a later article I saw there, somebody was like, "This may have actually raised the profile of it by even announcing that you're doing it." Yeah. I was thinking like if they're gonna make any new ones, it would be kind of cool if they don't include firearms. They typically. I mean, I don't know if they do now. Like, yeah, for the longest time, they that. didn't have... Like, like, the pirates would have guns. Um, the castle would have swords. I don't know if they've added guns. They always just had... Uh, what do you call them? Suitcases. Batons. Uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, actually, some of them do have nightsticks, now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, handcuffs is, the, is what I, I recall them having most often. But yeah, it's... The, the, uh, the fact that they're all yellow... I think is interesting. <laughs> Everybody is the same like color race or whatever, but it all has a different connotation now. Like watching a little Lego person, like police officer chasing down some, some other character. Anyways, I found that interesting yeah. choice mm-hmm. for that company. Yeah. They also uh, donated, I think like 4 million or $10 million to uh, a black lives matter um, uh, like related uh, organization or foundation. So one of the things I've thought is interesting over the last couple of weeks is, um, yeah, so there's definitely donating money, but other creative ways that I'm seeing organizations respond, right? Everybody's a little bit different. And so it's like, hey, we want to say something or we want to do something. And like, what are we, you know, uniquely placed to do? And so like with Lego, that was brilliant. This is something that you can do. Do you know um, what else they've done? What? Um, they converted a, at least one of their factories over to creating, I believe, masks or other first responder. I mean, yeah. this would be back in Denmark, yeah. right? So it's not necessary. I don't know if they were exporting it to other countries no. necessarily. Yeah, no, I'm okay. speaking specifically to like the police violence and Black Lives Matter piece of like just, sure. yeah. yeah, like companies like thinking about like what is it that they can do. Um, specifically in their realm. And so like with Lego, one thing they can do is 
yeah, look at the toys and their products and, and how they're going to market them. It's pretty cool. Um, any news from you, Tim? Um, a couple quick bits. Uh, it looks like production for a lot of things is going to pick up here soon. Uh, yeah. A lot of the movies waiting on to finish. Uh, I think whatever phase LA is moving into is allowed for them to start in the next couple of weeks, get back into production. So that's a good sign. Uh, TV and movie lovers. And also, the Dune cinematographer says that the first film will feel like a complete story despite the two movie plan. So makes sense. I, I, I still think I know where the natural where they're story. gonna the natural cutoff's gonna be, and it'll feel like a full a complete story that still needs a, a follow up, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, but it'll it'll I think I know where the the cutoff will be. All right, so the quote is from photographer, director of photography, Greg Pfizer, Frazer, and it says, quote, it's a fully formed story in itself with pieces to, with places to go. It's a fully standalone epic film that people will get a lot out of when they see it. It's a, it's, it was quite an adventure visually. It was beautiful experience making it, the people involved with it, it was, I was overwhelmed. Some of the actors as well as being insanely talented actors are just lovely, lovely people who I've become very close to since then. That's his quote. Are they yeah. done filming then? They must be. At least the first one. That's first really one. exciting, you guys, because that means that, like, because a lot of the production, like, you can't have people physically out there, like, yeah. recording and stuff. But, like, for them, if they're done with that part, it's still a lot of work, but <gasps> it's yeah, not going to get delayed too much. Not, I, I was not sure whether they were going to be <laughs> filming both parts back to back. So it might impact yeah. how soon we see the second part. What's interesting to me is that uh, Fade Rautha is a character played by Sting in the 1880s movie. Yep. Has not been cast, which I find is, or there's been no cast announcement for him. And since basically everybody else has been, um, he plays in, a, he shows up very early in the book, like just in like a we're hanging out scene and then doesn't really play much of a role until later in the books. So it's interesting that he may not, they might not even bother showing him in the mm -hmm. early, like, um, and then when he's talking about how complete a story it is, I don't know if they've given any quotes or, you know, details on this, but this gives, this indicates to me that they might be drawing from some of the prequel books. Cause there's a few prequel books that take place immediately up to what happens in the original Dune book. And these are written by Frank Herbert's son and another science fiction author. So I could see, especially given like how many people have seen Game of Thrones or are familiar with that, Dune throws you in the deep end even a little bit more. So I feel like they might use that to shape out what are these families, these, they're basically um, royal slash noble houses on a galactic scale. What are they like on their own planets? I think they'll probably do a bit of that. And, and they did that even in the... Um, the Dune miniseries, which is, I think, Shalia, that's how I introduced you to Dune. Yep, that's right. So that's why I think that they'll be able to make it a little more of a complete story because instead of in dialogue having a lot of exposition of, oh, this family's this, this, if you just go to their planets and watch them operate, I think that might be one way to get that information across. So it reminds me, it reminds me of making Black Panther. In the test screenings, they learned they needed that piece at the beginning that explained Wakanda. But they didn't oh, originally. Oh, yeah. 
and it said it allowed people to be like, oh, okay, this is the world we're in, and then you get right into the story. Yeah. They didn't originally have that? Uh-uh, they didn't. Um, really cool. Movie making is so interesting and fun. I love that it. Was, that was also one of the best parts of that movie. It reminds me of how, like, again, back to Game of Thrones, like, when I sat down and watched the first episode of Game of Thrones and the intro popped in, because there's like a cold open mm-hmm. before, before the intro sequence. And then mm-hmm. the, those models, the map and the models start, start like opening up and like giving yeah. you this visual feeling of the world. I think um, the, with the way they did that in, in Black Panther. And just so everybody knows, it looks like Tim is on the ancestral plane. Mm-hmm. That is his background on Zoom. He's he's there with uh, T'Chaka. Uh, <laughs> nice. He's dancing. Um, and, and even like the 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 style they used, didn't they kind of use something that reminds me of that that like magnetic dirt sort of thing? Yeah. You know, kind of graphite colored. Um, I think that was so evocative. All right. Well, any other news? No. That's it for me. I have personal news. But that's in my what have I been doing? Well, what have you been doing, Kendon? I've been becoming a doctoral candidate. Yes, you have. I passed what we call my general exam, which mm-hmm. is where I uh, defend my proposal, my project proposal to the rest of my committee members. And uh, mm-hmm. I got unanimously passed. So, yeah, it's very exciting. And it was a lot of work. So as part of this, you've got to write up like a paper proposal, right? And send it to them. So they have it in writing, but then also present it. And so like they have the information and then he goes and explains it. And during this time, it's been hard because he had to do it by Zoom. So it's not in the same room with them. Um, yeah, but uh, it was awkward. It was awkward. And you can, I don't know if you're going to share some of the hiccups that came with that, but um, but so also the presentation, but like their job during that presentation as committee members is to like challenge him and ask him hard questions about the science. And so it's like, yeah, it's, it's an, it's an exam. They're, they're, they're examining you and what you can answer and how you can do that. So um, yeah, it was a big deal. Very proud of you, Kendon. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, One of the, the awkward things being is I didn't have presenter view. So I was just looking at my slides and then I forgot to turn off my camera because I had to, anybody who's used Zoom, you'll know that you, you have the, the, the image with everybody's pictures. But since it was blocking my slides, I moved it away um, so I couldn't see it. And at some point afterwards, I thought it, it hadn't gone that well. So they go and they confer like in a quote unquote side room. And so mm-hmm. when they came back, like I had my, my hand in my face, my face in my hand, like, oh man, this is... And and they were like, I guess you can't tell that we can see we can see every face you're making. And I was like, oh, that's just my thinking face. <laughs> Which is silly because he had called while they were talking. He called and we were on the phone, and I'm like, you're on mute, right? Like they cannot hear what you're saying, right? Right. But I guess I didn't also say, and your camera is off, right? <laughs> oh, that wouldn't matter. I like I closed the laptop so you couldn't even see. So I was making that face when. <laughs> But it was it was nothing terrible. It was just me making a face like, oh man. It is what it is. And it doesn't matter because it was unanimous, which is very exciting. And um on the topic of train wrecks that aren't as much of a train wreck, we finished Jupiter Ascending. Oh wow. What did you think of that movie? I liked it. It was a bad movie that I liked. 
It was fun. And I could see, I could see, I mean, these are the people who made The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I saw a lot of their sensibilities in it. I could see where they were going with like, the world isn't what you, what you think it is. You are a resource for something, a larger world. All of mm-hmm. this other, you know, fate and destiny and rebirth. It's so much the same. It's just, it was so goofy and cartoonish well, in a lot of ways. It was goofy and cartoonish, but it was, it go- looked good, right? That's what we said last week as our preview to it. It was like, it looked good. It didn't look cartoony too much. Mm-hmm. They looked fine. It was, it was the, well, like the, the story people, itself was bad, basically. The, like, the dinosaur dragon people seemed a little goofy, like a little cartoonish, and so did the um, the the aliens that look like gray aliens, you know. And then they yeah. leave, like they left like crop circles and just it was it was a bit it was doing a bit much. And but like I really liked when they went to like uh, how do I, they went through all the bureaucracy to prove that she was alive. Like again, you know, they go to the you know, like you got to go and get this. Yeah. Like like that reminded me of something like uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the um, Galaxy and and stuff like that. So I think it was a, I think it was fun. I think Eddie Redmayne made a bonkers choice with his with his dialogue. He's yell screaming. <laughs> well, yeah, his mumble, like, his mumble, <laughs> and then yell screaming. Yeah. It was, yeah, I would say, I think, um, I think the story was bad. Like, I think there were like a lot of good elements to it. And I, my, my guess is like, you know, how like that whole, you're only as strong as your weakest link type of thing. Like you had a lot of really strong parts, but as a whole, it kind of falls apart because of some of those lacking pieces. Say that again, Tim. Was she bathing in human juice to stay young? Yes. Yes. Yeah. They were, they were, they were harvesting people juice basically but you know what i easily have forgotten um because her career didn't take off fully in the way maybe it could have is that um mila kunis right Mm -hmm. she's so charming she's so fun i liked her all the way back at um when she was um in that 70s show Mm -hmm. um she's great yeah, well, and that's for a the, Cinderella sort of movie, which is this, what this turns out to be. And that, so that was the interesting thing for me was like I adore her; she's one of my favorites. And it was a little bit funny though because I think of her as a little more gritty, I guess. Like she's funny, Urban. Um, but she's not like so. Like they have her; she decides to get married, and they have her like in this wedding dress, or even before that, they have her in these like fancy dresses. And I'm just like, she doesn't look right in those dresses to me. Like she's which is funny because like her and Natalie Portman were both in Black Swan and like mm-hmm. Natalie Portman in like all of Star Wars, um, uh, going back Wearing to the, kind of the, same the, stuff. the prequels. Yeah. Like all those fancy dresses look totally normal to me. Yeah. Um, but for Mila Kunis, I'm like, I don't see her in these dresses. Like well, this is just, this does, I'm, this isn't quite right. In Black Swan, that's what they leaned on in like, is like, she was kind of the, Okay, so if I remember, Natalie Portman was kind of like the poised, the perfect, like, form and all of that. And then, basically, uh, Mila Kunis was more like the rough, kind of animalistic, but, like, super talented dancer. And I feel like that's kind of what you, Mm -hmm. maybe that's, the like, why they cast it that way. But the other main funny thing to me is that this is a story about, like, 
how to, uh, like mismatched love. It's <laughs> like, oh, she's royalty, and he's uh, he's, he's the a, dog, a, a dog, like a dog mercenary thing, <clears throat> and like the whole time, you're, like like she's dreamboaty. I, I she must feel like that in real life. It felt like she almost wasn't acting, and I was like. Mm. Yeah, but he's Channing fucking Tatum. Of course she's falling in love with Channing Tatum. Well, and they introduced it, like we laughed about it last week, right? Of like, um, you know, this this, this, uh, type of human dog thing like needs a pack and, but this one's solo. And it was funny, like we laughed about it because it was like, you know, they die except for sometimes they don't. (laughs) But like the other funny part about that introduction is like basically making it extremely clear that he's available. (laughs) <laughs> and that he's loyal he's a fan right like man. he needs a pack and so you can make a pack with him and he doesn't have a pack and he's amazing like it was just very funny the way that they are describing him and giving his backstory and being like oh okay so so friends we we keep yeah. referring to him as a dog person but to be fair he's like some sort of spliced with wolf so it's re- he, he's not barf from from space balls no he's supposed to be some sort of super hunter with wolf blood or, or wolf genetics or something like that yeah and and like roller like flying rollerblades <laughs> like i don't like this movie was just making these choices <laughs> those are funny i feel like just running through the sky i appreciated this more because we watched the prequel movies over the break over the winter break um and if i watched it with that mindset i think it was just a lot more fun it was just like okay okay movie <laughs> yeah it was fun. So, what else are you doing? Um, after I finished my exam, I decided to start a new video game called Far Cry Five. Far Cry Five is like an open world shooter. Um, this one takes place in in uh, this fictional county in my in um, Montana that's been overtaken by this like doomsday religious cult. Um, it's fun. Uh, it's actually a lot of fun. Well, basically, you, there's the cult leader and like his three lieutenants, and so you have to free all of these different areas by taking down outpost, outposts and stuff. This, this is pre- this series has previously taken place in like Central Africa, um, some Pacific island, or like a Himalayas region like Nepal, during like civil wars or like pirate, uh, like a weird pirate. Uh, what's it called? Uh, compound in the south pacific or whatever like so it's it's always these examples of basically the enemies have all of this territory and are are oppressing like the the rebels or the freedom fighters or whatever and you come in here and you help them out and it's just weird that this one takes place in america um with this religious cult which i also noticed so the the people who publish the game are french and i i meant to check on the developers i'm not sure but this this cult prominently has a high percentage of black people in it so (laughs) i think that they were like not wanting to make this a race thing because my impression of if a if a cult of this like a violent cult of this type shows up like uh in montana it would be pretty monochromatic but i feel like they wanted to sidestep any sort of uh racial connotation there by by putting a lot of black people so kendon's playing a white guy in montana shooting black people i'm not a white guy you're you are it's a first person shooter so you don't see his face but you see his arms and even though he chose the tannest of um 
It matches my skin color. It's 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 his skin color, but it's not it's not a black man's skin color. It is a white man's skin color with some who's been in the sun. You know what I mean? Like it's there's a difference. I could have picked but, a black guy, but then that wouldn't have matched my skin tone either. Yeah. So <laughs> well, so but one thing that you haven't mentioned, and like it, I think it's important, is that this this video game is um, one thing that's r- remarkable about remarkable about it is the scenery, and so in in past um versions you've got like you know paradise right you're in nepal you're in pacific Mm -hmm. islands um here you're in montana and it's gorgeous like uh, i got to watch a little bit of kenan playing and like the water he's like he gets into like this lake and is swimming and it just looks exactly like it would look if you went to a lake out here um and like the mountain well was that mountains i don't know the sky was there like it was just beautiful and very it felt like we were outside doing it. I was like, I want to put my toe there because <laughs> I always have to get my feet in the water. Um, so it's, it's really well done in terms of, um, I don't atmosphere. know what atmosphere. It's just like, it looks spot on correct. And where they choose to put these is just gorgeous. So um, yeah, if he wasn't, you know, like shooting people, um, I would maybe watch him play more, but it's <laughs> like, I don't really want to. last thing um is that i've restarted dune for like the 20th time in my lifetime the the book dune and um i'm about halfway through that um we're we're thinking we're um, planning on making some dune themed lego inventions between shalia and i um friend of the show josh is also restarted dune and is going to go through the series because there's like six books by the original author and a whole bunch of other ones. Um, so um, I'm looking forward to this movie coming out. Um, I did want to ask Tim what he thought, like, so they're doing a lot to, to fall, not to fall into the trap that Blade Runner 20, um, what was that? 2049 um, fell into um, as far as being very expensive and not making it a whole lot back on the theater end. Mm-hmm. Now with COVID, um, even though the theaters might be open, um, I'm, I'm kind of suspecting they're not going to make as much money in the theater as they could have had this not all happened and just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I mean, it really all depends. It depends on when it opens. It depends on what's opening against it. It depends on how long the film is, how many times they can show it. It depends how safe people feel about going to theaters or if they can allow them another option to watch the movie. Um, Streaming? Well, and we have a couple drive-ins that are, are um, opening up now. We're like drive-ins, not streaming, like drive-ins. I got you. Um, every year, there's a movie that comes out that should work, that just doesn't work. And we can't even pinpoint why. You can have a great cast, it can be a fun film, it can be critically acclaimed, but people just have not gone to the theater to see it. And it's hard to, to put a finger on why. And I'm hoping Dune isn't that movie this year. What it has on its side is that people are starving to go to the theater. People want to go see movies. I've been one upside. I've been excited because I feel like this has all of the right elements. It has like a Fast and the Furious caliber sort of cast. Well, more than that, because these are like some really, really high, uh, highly respected actors on top of just high profile actors. But what I was meaning to say is like diversity is there, like just by by default like the people they've chosen just look all different types of ways come from all types of different backgrounds you've got that 
you've got it's kind of a Star Wars action-y sort of movie, right? And people already love Star Wars. And then it's got the Game of Thrones element to it, which is still part of the cultural moment, I feel like. So it has so much that would set it up, unlike Blade Runner, right? Blade Runner had its hardcore fan base and like kind of cinephile snobs in some ways. But this right here, I think, has the ability to become something really big like a big milestone and the only thing that that i was worried hold on honey the the one thing is that it makes me feel like what happened with ender's game where ender's game like they wanted to try to start a franchise but like there's the next books are not books that you want to make a movie on and dune is kind of going to be the same way they could probably make one good sequel afterwards but the stuff that happens afterwards is just so cerebral and not as action-packed. So just to clarify, when you're saying um, the sequel, like we're we're talking about Dune as these two movies that are coming out as like a package. So we're talking like both that come out are going to be great. And then sequel after that would be like a third or fourth movie. Yeah. Um, but like we know only one of those two movies is coming out so far, but we're not we're not like saying Kill that Bill. the second movie isn't going to be great because it will be right. Like they're, they come together as a package. The thing that I want to add is like um, in, a, in addition to the diversity of this cast and like how, yes, like there are several people on here who just the, like just that person being on there will get a certain group of people into the theater. Right. So like this person's in it, I'm all for it. Like a Zendaya movie, I'm in, like, I'm, I'm going to go watch it. And so you have that, but you have them from so many different um, like groups that like you're going to have a lot of people going in just to see their favorite person or persons. And then on top of that, they are charismatic. These are charismatic people. So you've got Jason Jason Momoa, Momoa. who is great when it comes to like pumping something up and making you want to go see it. Like he, he is somebody who's going to make you want to like, yes, let's go, let's get in there and see it. Like these guys are good at Oscar Isaac. Yeah, these guys are like good at getting you excited to want to go see it. And then finally, this is the kind of thing that we're going to be telling people, and I think it's going to be clear that you want to see it on a big screen. Like, it's not just like a a movie that you can watch at home. You can, but it's like it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be one of those where you, it's there's action. You're going to want to see it on a big screen. And so, like you're saying, with like all of the people who are like starving to go to the theater and like want to get there, this is an IMAX. We want to get, yeah, like this is like if I'm going to pick of all the movies that are coming out, like this is going to be on the top of my list of like going in for those reasons. Well, all, all of this is true. But it's not going to matter if people just aren't interested in seeing it at the time it comes out. I think they will be. That's the thing. Yeah. I think the problem more will be, it's, the more it's will be, do we feel like going to theaters because we're uncomfortable? What you're saying is true on paper, but it's hard to dictate what audience want to see. It's hard. Even stuff that should work just doesn't work. And we don't know why it doesn't work. No, I 100%, 100% agree with you. For, for all those reasons. I feel like you're just trying to manage expectations here. In this case, I think they've hit it. I'm optimistic in this case. Manage your expectations. (laughs) Things just don't hit. No reason. And the unknown is this COVID stuff. We don't know how people are going to respond to that. We don't know how that's going to motivate people or not motivate people. We have no idea how that's going to work. I'm happy that I'm going to get this movie. I'm going to get this movie and I'm going to get the follow-up movie. So just like Blade Runner 2049, 20, 20, uh, hey, if it just turns out that I got the movie, 
that's fine with me. Yeah, that's and actually I'm, the truth. Like, it doesn't really matter at this point how well it does because it's going to do well. Uh, what's it called? Critically on top of it, I, I'm I'm sure it will. I'm also just noticing the Black Panther on a branch behind your shoulder. Yes. Yeah, that's what the scene is, babe. I know, but his sh- his sh- see now his shoulders blocking it all. It oh. was blocking it all this whole time. Oh. <laughs> um, we'll see. I hope. Listen, I want all these movies to do great, but we will see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, well. Next will be Tenet. Tenet will be oh, the early I Tenet saw has- an, another trailer or something for that, and now I see what's going on. Like I was like, is this a time travel movie? Is this like it's no, it's like a time manipulation movie. So this Tenet looks like a video those- game. This yeah. looks like a video game. It has all those elements. I disagree. I don't think Tenet has all those elements. Oh yeah, it doesn't have the elements we're talking about. It but has- it, it looks like it's gonna be good, but I don't think it's the same. It has a good cast, a well good a well cast. a well director mm-hmm. who put out hit after hit it's got two charismatic actors in it it's an unknown element and it's got two charismatic el- actors but i think shalia really made the point of it's it's a what do you what's a, an ensemble cast dune has this ensemble cast like the fast and the furious or even a marvel movie does yeah what well, what i mean is what was the last bad christopher nolan movie you watched I mean, has there been? Exactly. So yeah. we'll. <laughs> well, I, but they're not. They're but we're not. not we're not talking about what landmarks. And we're not no. talking about what's going to be a good movie and a bad movie, right? What we're talking about is what are people going to go watch? Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, our Chris Nolan has a hell of a track record. Are people willing to go to the theater to see this? I don't know. We'll I don't know it. for that one. I, hey, I'm, I will only go to a real IMAX theater to see it, but I'll go to a real IMAX theater to see it. Um, okay, so so basically to uh, wrap this up in short, friends, Tim says manage your expectations, but we're very excited about Dune. Basically, <laughs> so that's and, a and also shocking. I know. Very excited about Tenet. <laughs> and very excited about Tenet. It's going to be good too. Um, okay, so Tim, do you want to tell us what you're up to, or should I go? Uh, you can go. I need, I'm going to go run and get my charger for my laptop. So you go. I'm. Just, I can hear you. I'm just going to go grab it. Okay, I was like, okay, so you just don't want to know what I'm doing. Okay, cool. I'll go. Um, so we last week I had concluded Agent Carter. Now I have watched Captain Marvel, um, which for some reason I was thinking it took place in the 80s. I think that's because the next Wonder Woman is taking place in the 80s. But um, Captain Marvel takes place in the 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. Still super fun um, flashbacking, um, especially because I had just finished Little Fires Everywhere, which takes place in the 90s. Um, so it's kind of fun to have some of, some of those... Um, what is that called when like episode no not episode dramas uh i don't know experiencing the past that i'm actually really familiar with so that was really fun i appreciated uh captain marvel a little bit more this time around i think because i was paying a little bit more attention um and i knew what was going to happen i think this might have been my only time like my second time seeing it so i really liked it i like totally dug the end of the movie um considering that there's shape-shifting and um some other like uh, major plot twists and stuff like that did it does it when you were watching it like having that foreknowledge mm-hmm. kind of changed the way you were- yeah it changed it a little bit it made it, it 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 was fun the first time around i really liked it and this like the second time around knowing it it was a different experience in a po- in a just a positive way mm-hmm. um that like i could see it kind of building up and like oh this is gonna happen this is gonna happen um so really like it I appreciated the backstory and like how everything ties in 
um, which is something that, you know, all these Marvel movies are great with. So, um, so watch that. And then uh, the next in the line is Iron Man. So got to watch Iron Man, um, which is interesting. So um, when was the last time you saw Iron Man, Tim? Uh, a couple months ago. Okay. So we hadn't seen it in a while, but what was kind of alarm not alarming, but remarkable about it, I guess, is yeah. that this was this was created during um the Bush administration. And it is a lot more pro-military in the Middle East. Um, a lot of Iron Man just killing brown people out there. Um and and, and, and sort of like ethically ambiguous like ambiguous brown people just mm-hmm. pulling them up yep and yeah. like and in that time it made complete sense and i didn't even like register that but but we've gone so much farther with these movies and like with right now in this time like you know in my mind we're fighting thanos and we're fighting aliens that are like from other planets right like that's kind of what i'm used to and like it was just kind of a weird, like, whoa, this was because Iron Man was the first one of these. Um, and so to see where we started, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is this is a bit different. Um, so watched Iron Man. And also, it was really fun to watch Iron Man with the context of Agent Carter, because you have um, Howard Stark um, with a presence there. And so, like, seeing how they were introducing Tony Stark in um, the 2008 Iron Man, Um, it was really interesting because it's like a lot of the same components that they have for his dad, but just a little bit different. Um, so that was really cool. And so now we're in what's next is Iron Man 2. So we're in the middle of Iron Man 2. Um, and Kenan, you're liking Iron Man 2 kind of a lot, I I think. Well, no, no, I like Whiplash. I don't remember liking Iron Man 2 that much. I don't remember it either, but like we've, as we've been watching it, like we were kind of getting into it. Yeah, we were getting into it. I realized that, yes, I never did like Tony Stark. Yeah. I never liked Tony Stark. Not that I don't like Robert Downey Jr. Like I, there's, char- I'm, I'm okay with not liking a character. It doesn't mean that I don't like watching the character, mm-hmm. but it, I realized that every time a conflict came up between him and Captain America, like I was just like, this is like the movie will try to be like which side should you know and like captain america like this other guy is a douchebag <laughs> no question. Guy, he's got he's got his own like private like uh drone weaponry all around the the country like he's so arrogant he's so this like it was ne- i never was on tony stark's like side which i think it is always- perfect because they set great. it up as a comic book like this is like a perfect comic book character yeah he is what were you saying to him He's always drinking in these movies. Yes. I mean, that was, I think, one of the things he was known for was being an alcoholic in the comics. In the comics, yeah. Um, and he does have to, like, like he does, like, progress by the end of the, uh, by the point of the Marvel uh, series that we're in now. But it's not a, it just seems like a, yeah, you needed to, because you've been terrible all along so speaking of like uh, one scene in iron man 2 that i had forgotten about is his birthday party and (laughs) leading up to this yeah like leading up to this birthday party he's thinking he might die soon because he's got a lot of toxins in his blood and so he's kind of morbid and like so that's where he's at and so he he gets fucking wasted in and he's the iron man in the suit, iron man suit yeah. and he's playing like they are throwing fruit in the air and he's shooting it and like yeah. so dangerous so dangerous like this whole like kids don't play with guns like yeah. 
you are so drunk right now and you have this like i that scene was well so in wow. that scene he gets in a fight with roadie who puts on another bit of armor and then some of the people at the party are watching and he's all upset so he goes ah like he kind of flexes on them and they all run away now mind you a couple scenes earlier he's basically testifying to congress like you're welcome like like they're like i think you need to hand over these suits he's like no i can handle this on my own like blah 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 blah. like i world peace i've brought world peace and all this and we're like dude this you're only proving exactly the point you got drunk and upset and now you're irresponsible like exactly i i just i he's he wants the the sokovia accords because he screwed up he created ultron he created the ability for ultron to have robots all around the world he's constantly fucking up he is incredibly smart and the weakest link he's Mm -hmm. always been the weakest link it's not the hulk it's not any of these other ones you remember that that concept that you were talking about recently of like people like the most dangerous people are the ones who know a little bit and think that they know everything. And that's him. Like he is very smart. He's brilliant, but like he gets like, um, Ultron, right? Like he gets this like vision of the future and then like goes and like swings the pendulum all this other way, like doesn't know enough to like really know what the response should be. And so instead he just like does these drastic things and he won't listen to anybody else to be like, maybe you're wrong. (laughs) And you know, what's interesting. Well, first of all, just kind of throw it in. Um, there's a fun little, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, cameo from Elon Musk in in Iron Man 2. Yeah, he's talking about hydroplanes? No. It was, uh, it was about building some sort of plane, you're right. I think it was like a hydro, uh, like a hydro engine. Whatever the case was, uh, Tony Stark's like, yeah, we'll make that happen. But it's just so interesting is I'd probably heard of or knew who Elon Musk at the time was. But now Elon Musk is so much more of a cultural figure. It's like, oh, he, like it's pretty early in the Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe that they were referencing basically the, the real life Tony Stark that people like. Yeah, I was like, and we just saw him put people in space. Yeah. Like that just happened. Yeah. So really, and that was 2008, which is not that long ago. That's 12 years. Um, and I'm just like, wow. In that's this 12 years is, I mean, it's a long time, but it's not that long. That's really amazing. So, oh, and, I guess this was even less than that because 2008 is Iron Man. So, and we're talking Iron Man too. So, like 2010, so, so more like 10 just years. A decade ago. in a decade, this is what's happened. Um, so cool. And but the other cool thing is, I, I like to think about it. Was like, what if they had have met Shuri, like before they made the, made Ultron? Like that would have just that may have made that movie not happen because she would have been like, um, excuse me. Um, you sure you want to make this killer fucking robot? Like, maybe yeah. we should scale this back. Maybe we should do this. Um, you've made 12,000 mistakes in your circuitry here. Like, it's yeah. just so interesting that we didn't really know that. The, uh, that well, no, had they talked about Una- Wakanda or, yet? No. No, I think they had talked about uh, vibranium. They had made references in well, isn't, uh, Age Caps, of Ultron. Isn't Captain America's shield vibranium? It is. Mm-hmm. So that's a very early one. But I'm saying, didn't they fight in Wakanda or nearby Wakanda um, with the big, what do you call them, the Hulkbuster armor? I feel mm-hmm. like there is a reference. We'll find that soon. <laughs> We're not there yet, but we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so that's what I've been doing. And then finally, well, two more things. Um, Carme has introduced me to a new show called Rami, R-A-M-Y. It's on Hulu. Mm -hmm. Have you watched it, Tim? No. Um, It's interesting. So it's a 
it's just about like a young adult um, guy who's single and Muslim. And it, it kind of pulls from a lot of those um, other movies like The Big Sick and uh, Meet the Patels a little bit like Meet the Patels, but mostly The Big Sick, like just kind of, you know, being at that age, um, dating and like deciding, are you going to be with a Muslim girl or not? And kind of what does it mean to have your faith? And um, but in like a funny short episodes, the episodes are really quick. Um, and it's, it's pretty fun. So wait, are they long? They're shorter than like a half hour. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think micro episodes or whatever. they feel like micro episodes. They might be half an hour. Um, it just, it feels short. Um, and it's like, he's, he lives in Jersey and it's really interesting. One of the episodes, um, takes place when he was a kid and you're like watching this episode and being like, okay, I like this is him when he's a kid and then something very significant happens. Um, and he, uh, and so now it's like kind of tracking, like as a child, this thing that happens that changes your whole childhood and your whole life, like, um, and how people look at you and treat you. Um, and so for him, like he's, he's Muslim, he's from Egypt. And so like explaining like the difference between regions and like, it's it's a really cool show. I like it a lot. Carmen introduced me to it, and I recommend it. Yeah, um, I recognize Rami Youssef's name, but I'm not sure he's a comedian. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've heard his comedy yet. So yeah, so it's on Hulu, and you can watch it. And it's like it's not the best written. It's not like it may not get awards. <laughs> um, like a lot, I will say, like in fairness, a lot of it, I'm like I see the production. Like you're setting this up, and you're you're dealing with topics that I've heard many times. So it's like just kind of reiterating some of that, but, um, but it's, it, it comes across well, like they, it's fun. Um, and I like it. You kind of like hate him and like him at the same time. He's got two buddies who are kind of ridiculous, um, but lovable. And, um, yeah, so it's fun. And then finally I needed some, um, energy as I was working the other day. Like I needed, I was doing kind of mindless work, but had to be done. And I was so tired. Um, so I picked something to watch. And I picked Percy Jackson <laughs> uh, because I have never watched Percy Jackson. Turns well, your, out your, little, your younger sister was really into Percy Jackson. Yeah, uh, my my sister Solani loves Percy Jackson, and I'm familiar with Percy Jackson, but uh, haven't read any any Percy Jackson and have not watched the movie um, or movies. Haven't watched anything. So I started finally with Percy Jackson and like, it was kind of fun. Cause like we're in the midst of the Marvel stuff and it's like, it was really cool. I didn't remember or notice who was playing Zeus and who was playing Poseidon, but I'm like, I know both these guys very well. Who's playing them? Um, uh, so remember the doctor from Grey's Anatomy with PTSD who's like choking Christina was he from Rome? Yes, yeah. He's yeah. Poseidon. Really? Yeah. And um Zeus is what's his face? Um Game of Thrones guy who dies and everything. Really? Sean Bean? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So those and and like the idea, and I didn't know this about Percy Jackson, but the idea about Percy, like there we have demigods, right? Like uh, gods all the time have sex with mortals and 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 having kids that's that's normal the thing that's weird about percy is that with these three brothers he is a challenge to zeus and i had forgotten that piece about like these mythology is like it's all about sibling like um t- uh challenge towards like who's who's gonna be like the top person right and so 
because uh, I was like, why do we care so much about Poseidon's son? Like, why would this be like mm-hmm. the thing? Like, I was kind of, I'm hearing about Percy Jackson and I'm like, I would think he would be Zeus's son. Um, or like, you know, we definitely got like, like kids of was Athena. Was he Zeus's son? Is that who Zeus? No, he's Poseidon's son. And ah. that's why it matters is because Poseidon and Zeus are brothers. And yep. so Zeus is afraid that his, like, his brother is going to try to like take over now. Because or his, his brother's kid. also their brother. Yep. So there was three main brothers. Yep. And I don't know if you, I got really into Hercules, the Kevin Sorbo one. Did you watch that, Troy? Or, shit. <laughs> Tim? Tim, did you watch that show? Not, not uh, religiously, no. I was just the right age for it because that would have been somewhere around sixth through eighth grade there. It was on. And then Xena was on, but it was just on all the time. Mm-hmm. And so just to then bring it up to the point um, that he was always butting heads with Aries. Yes, right? which makes sense. And I think Ares is also Zeus's son. So they would both be Zeus's son. But uh, so that you have that sort of butting of heads. But um, Hercules thing always was that Hera was basically pissed because Zeus stepped out on her mm-hmm. to have him. And that's where, just in case anybody doesn't know, uh, Her- uh, Hercules's name comes from Heracles. And that means like, uh, what is it? The struggle against Hera or or the challenges coming from Hera or something like that, because all of these different challenges that he had to overcome as a hero were coming from Hera trying to make his life difficult. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> a woman scorned. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so it's kind of fun. It, it, it's good. Like, I mean, I'm not, I didn't finish it yet. It's, it's not good. Um, I think did- there's a few, but anyway, I haven't finished the movie Ooh. yet. I started it. Two movies. There they're are two like, movies. Yeah, they're doing like a. I think they're trying to do a show on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. It's a fun concept. I mean, it is. to what I know about it, I haven't re- re- actually read it, but yeah. So, um, so that's the other thing I've been doing. <laughs> All right, Tim, what are you up to? Nothing, not a whole lot. Watched Virtuosity last night. That old 1995 Denzel movie. Yeah. With, um, what's his name? What is in it? Who's the bad guy? Who plays Sam? Oh, Keanu Reeves, no? I, I know who you're talking um, Is it is it Gladiator? Yeah. Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe? Yeah. yeah. Wait, is this the one where they had like the whip that's like a pencil or like a and like can just cut people up? No. What's virtuosity? He's in, inside of a computer and gets out? Yeah, he's just this this training module they're using for LAPD and Denzel plays a convict and the module is made up of a different bunch of different serial killers. It's going to get shut down. So the nerdy guy obviously puts him into the real world through this incubator system kind of thing. And then they use, they get Denzel out of prison to hunt him down and catch him. That's a brilliant thing to be watching right now, Tim. How, how was it? It's so silly. It's fun though. We were really like we, I say, but like as a culture, a movie culture, really terrified of what was going to come out of our computers. Oh, for sure. There's all kinds of memes. Like Shocker was on the other day. I watched Shocker. Same yeah. thing. Like dies and puts himself into a into like electronics. It's like literally coming out of people's TVs and killing them. So. Johnny like Mnemonic, drones, by the way, is what I was we're all worried about. about evil drones now, <laughs> Tim. Uh, I mean. 
on our neighborhood Facebook page um, or like group, somebody's kid's drone is missing. And I was like, mm, mm. It, they were like, it just, it flew away within like 20 minutes of him repairing it or something. And if anyone's seen it, let them know. And I'm like, if I see it, I'm burying it. <laughs> Shovel, bury, bury it. <laughs> Uh, although that that now makes me think of a scene from drone 2 whatever sequel they make for that drone movie that you made us watch where it just like you can hear the zzz, zzz, and it digs itself out of its own little grave and then it's like yeah. go on another murder spree <laughs> oh okay well all right are we ready to talk about blood sport yeah i'm yeah. ready for centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite, open only to the world's most lethal warriors. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. An awesome human weapon who infiltrates the Chinese underworld where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique clash in savage combat. International martial arts sensation, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Bloodsport, the true story of the ultimate champion. Okay, so Bloodsport, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's fine. Yeah, young, his first movie, actually. He's not a great actor, but it's also dubbed. Is a movie called JCVD? Yeah. I don't know if it's the first movie to come out, but it's the first movie he made. Okay. So it's an interesting one because it's, um, I mean, by the end, Kendon is like, he's a star, like he's amazing. He can do all this stuff, but like the acting level is a little bit wanting and it's also a little difficult. Tim, can you tell us like how this was made? Because some of the, at least how we watched it, some of the, like it was dubbed, I think. Yeah, like it didn't sound right. Were dubbed and it was kind of awkward. Like I was like, why a lot are these of, a lot of ADR. It, it was made for cheap. Or ADR? Is it ADR as opposed to dubbing? Okay, yeah, can you explain it? It was made for cheap. Um, he kind of got the script. The guy wanted to do him a favor and, and allow him to do all of the movie was to showcase all of his physical talents wrapped around sort of the true life story, a script that was sitting around they had yeah. for a couple of years. So that's why they made it. And you can see but, they made it for cheap. There's like two locations in this movie. But how did they like why like why are the military people sounding so weird? Like, was it French? Did they make it in a different language? No. I think they just went and redid their voice. I think the audio was probably bad. Because it was cheap. Oh, I see. I see. So they recorded it. Didn't sound good. It's one of my favorite scenes. It's an outside scene where they don't even eat the food. Like, they don't touch the food. They're just, like, talking about eating it. (laughs) So what does ADR stand for? It's, like, audio digital... Remastering? Remastering, maybe. Uh, let's look this out. Because they'll do it a lot in different in different movies where it's like you'll you'll note it, like they do it like when you can't see a character's face, but they need them to add in like some dialogue. So that makes sense. But you're you're used to it, it happening in those sort of instances where you can't see that it doesn't match what the character is actually mm-hmm. doing. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, and I mean, you know, we, we sit in a podcast room and try to like block out outside sound, but often it's impacts like the quality of our audio. Right. So I totally get the idea that like they filmed this and you couldn't hear and, or something. And so they just put new audio over the visual. 
ADR stands for automated dialogue replacement. Replacement. Mm. That makes, okay. Okay. So it was made for cheap. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme is the first movie he made. Um, Newt Arnold. Start over and direct by. Uh, directed by Newt Arnold. Who I have mm. no idea what he's done. <laughs> who else is in it? Um, it also stars Donald Glib Gibb, who we all recognize from Revenge of the Nerds. Which we need to do sometime. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie. Leah Ayers, so. Janice, Norman Burton is Helmer, Forrest Whitaker makes an appearance. Woo yeah, that was, was waiting fun. for that one. Roy Chow's Tanaka and the great Bolo Young is in it as Chung Lee. He Wait, was amazing. What'd you call him? Bolo Young. How do you say his name in the movie? Chung, Chung Lee. Because if, okay, so to jump ahead just a little bit, as far as influences, this is this movie, I think, is maybe with a couple of other movies, is the reason why we have Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2, and Mortal Kombat. And one of the main yeah. characters from Street Fighter 2, going back to the first game, is uh, Chung Lee. Yeah. So Chong Lee. Like it was throwing me for a loop for a second, but she's Chinese. He's he's Korean. He's Korean. It was right? Yeah, but it definitely influenced on that. Yeah, he's a big dude. All right, he's Tim, amazing. He was really amazing, and he's behaving like a professional wrestler. Yeah, Tim. So you picked this one. Can you tell us what it's about? It is, believe it or not, based on a true story about Frank Dukes, who goes AWOL from the who military. Who Dukes? Yeah, like put up your dukes. He goes off in the military to, to participate in a secret kumite that takes place every five years. Um, this sort of bare knuckle fighting, different fighting styles show up. And people fight sometimes to the death. Um, he's doing it in honor of his sort of adopted brother who passed away in the kumite, we find out. Oh, I um, didn't catch that part. He died at a kumite? Yeah. That's why he goes, because remember he shows up and Wait, he's he, like, because he, when he shows up and they make him do that, that brick thing, mm -hmm. he's like, he has to do it because, oh, you've already, you're, the, the, his father already had a participant in the Kumite. I Isn't didn't so, catch that the- So he um, died five, his, wait, his, the brother- friend guy died five years earlier. So did Chong Lee kill him? Did Chong, yeah, did Chong Lee kill him? This was my, maybe I'm wrong. I, I thought his brother died. I could be wrong. I think I, he died another way. I thought he died at like in the military or something. Like I thought he died and so the dad didn't have anybody else to send um, because he trains him hard after the guy dies. Because um, he's like, teach me because the dad's like, my, you know, my line is done. I have no, like, my son's not going to teach his son. Um, and that's, he's like, teach me. But wow if that's what happened that's huge i mean it seemed like a long time right because it was like as kids but then he dies as a young adult and so he's trained but then he goes to the military and comes back to then fight in the kumite so i don't know Dude, you want to talk about how cheap this was yeah. it had a budget of 1.5 million dollars yeah but it it grossed 65 yeah nice. like somebody came out being like damn that's a payday yeah um, okay, sorry. So he he's decides to fight in the Kumite. Fights in the Kumite. He's trying to 
outwit the two military guys who are after him because he went AWOL, I'm trying to take him back, and also compete in this high-level martial arts tournament. And he falls, he sort of meets this woman who's a reporter. They sort of fall for each other. And that's the movie. He ends up having to face off against Chong Lee, a battle we see coming from the beginning. Chong Lee is the fan favorite. He is a vicious fighter. He's murdered people in the ring. He's broken people's legs. Uh, yeah, it's it's nuts. So that that's the movie. It's all about this fighting tournament, and it gets right to it too, which I appreciate. It does. Um, what is it, Caddy Hacky Shacks? What is that song uh, that plays when like hijinks happen? Basically, the Ryan bringing it up is when the two military police or military people are trying to capture him and he's yeah. running around the city all i can hear is that what 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 like like it's just so like goofy like it could yeah something like that like it could just be a, a silent movie of them and then they, they trip and fall over and then get up and they're scrambling around and then he's like i can't see me you can't catch me like that was the feeling i was getting i was like what movie am i watching right now so okay if we're gonna start with them or in that like one of the things i did not understand is the whole premise of like we've because he has already been trained um and is like a fighting you know a fighter so he's in the military and he's so it starts with like he's on furlough he's gonna go on furlough yeah. and they find out what he's gonna do while he's on furlough so he's not AWOL because he has a furlough scheduled um but they don't want him fighting in the kumite so they are trying to stop him from like what he does on his leave but like they explain that it's because he's so valuable to the United States military that they don't want him fighting. Like, I didn't quite understand. Let's, what, what was the deal with them and like trying to get him? He was, yeah. he was AWOL. Like, but he wasn't, he was supposed to go on furlough. He was going on furlough and we go, that's when he takes a shower and escapes is them finding out he's going to go to Japan, to Hong Kong and they realize what he's going to do. So they want him, they don't want him to go. That's why he runs and goes yeah. to, so he's supposed to go on furlough, but he doesn't get approved. Well, okay, but my point is like, okay, my boss, like I'm on, I'm on my way to vacation. Why is it that they have such a thing with him participating in this? Like, it's just. I think it's criminal. First yeah, of all, I think it's illegal. It's on. It, it maybe would would um, what's the word? It would maybe, uh, what am I trying to say, uh, reflect poorly on the military that they're letting them, him out here do this, um, especially if he got hurt or died. It seems it, like it's a little bit thin, but basically I think he didn't really have permission to go and do this. And when they found out, maybe they said, oh, well, you, don't, you, you, know, you can't go on furlough because this is what you intend to do. And he's like, I'm going to go and do it anyways. So... You know, if the military if the military says says no, you can't go to do something, and you do it anyways, and then they they put in the effort to go and get your ass. It's just so funny because it's just it's an element that I don't see the point of. That's like, the point. Why are you like? Why are you? Why did in terms of making the movie like you know how sometimes we say like why did this happen? And it's like oh because without it the movie doesn't get made. Like this is like this extra piece of like them chasing him around. Um, and trying to bring it back. It kind of like, adds nothing to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why? Trauma. Yeah. It's just like so, the sideline. Because they don't, they don't hinder him in almost any way, except for that, that scene where they're trying to tase him in the hallway right before he goes to like the final fight. And that's crazy, right? Because it's like, he's now beating up government officials, like as he's 
Like which does that, not need to happen. No, that's the Chinese government saying, you know, we've we've we're working with your government. You need to come in, and he is fighting them. I don't I was like, I don't think you're supposed to be able to do that. And and you so, say the Chinese government, but I, I think mm, to split hairs, it might be the Hong Kong. I don't government. know where they were. Where they were in Hong Kong? Yeah, they were oh, in okay. Hong Kong. So the Hong Kong, like, yeah, you're right. That's different. Because um, they they had that cool part where he he walks where he's like we're walking from or you're about to cross from mainland China to Hong Kong yeah. and like it's this yeah. what do you call it like a no man's land and it, I th- I didn't yeah. check but if you look it up there is this famous block of apartment quote unquote apartment buildings that um, I think is where this is taking place I think they finally broke it down but it was like a city in and of itself that was run by the mafia or the the uh, no it would be the triads um but it's just this huge mass of humanity and it was like this dense place that the cops would not go into um i'm forgetting what it was called but i think that's what this is taking place in so i said that and when i'm walking in the street he said the triads let this happen they're allowing this tournament to happen here yeah Yeah. it's a big tournament um so uh, talking about hong kong just um i don't know if you guys remember there's on netflix there's the world's greatest cities and there's four episodes and it's just like be basically like these really high dense um density cities like just populated to like the max and hong kong shanghai is like the first episode i think so i would recommend um watching that like in connection with this just because it it's more it's modern day what it looks like but it's it's a it's an amazing space so, so it takes what, place in the walled city. Yeah, um, the Kowloon walled city, K-O-W-L-O-O-N. And just the first sentence on Wikipedia is, um, the Kowloon walled city is an ungoverned, densely populated settlement in Kowloon City, Hong Kong. It was originally a, mil- a Chinese military fort, but it became um, an enclave for new territories when they were released from the UK. Crazy. So it's like its own, like, it makes me think of uh, what do you call it, Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. or any of these futuristic yeah. movies where it's like this. This is its own world. This apartment complex, and like right on the other side of it, some nice modern-looking buildings, whatever. Um, but anyways, I, I think of that sort of thing. Like it's really fascinating places that there are their own little worlds, their own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, the police will not go into. It. it reminds me also of the Raid. You've seen the Raid Redemption, right? Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, how the cops are like, we're going to, okay, we're coming in to, to, to arrest this one guy in this building that's completely run by, by um, organized crime. Which is interesting because we don't see that in this, though. Like, it's funny because that's where it's taking place. And, like, the fact that the kumite is happening. And you definitely see people get killed during competition. But we don't see just, like, a crime-ridden. It's not like walking into Gotham. Like, we don't see a crime-ridden like daytime when they're out there except for some of the other um fighters are harassing the reporter lady but even then like that's that's about it they're not in that place in those scenes they're in a hotel yeah Yeah. that's that has nothing to do with the with the walled city the walled city is when they go in what's cool is like they go into the those tight cramped areas and i just thought it was really cool that they were descending into this Mm -hmm. world but like they hang out their their hotel and all that I think is in the regular city. In any case, my point is like, I I agree with you. It's cool. And my point is just that the movie doesn't spend really any time on like the lawlessness of that space. Oh, no, no, yeah, like yeah. you don't see any of that. Like, um, can we talk about the reporter and how 
unnecessary she was. Another Ridiculous. unnecessary addition. Before we get to that, can we talk about the opening of the movie with the short Ali fire and the black dude like jumps in the tree like a Oh monkey. my God. No, oh my we God. can't talk about that. <laughs> when, when I saw him do that, I thought it was cool. I was like, I, but I thought this was just a, a training exercise, right? Get your upper body, whatever. Uh, can you jump up here and get this? I didn't realize that he was a monkey fighter until he comes out right. and is monkey fighting. And I was like, oh, this is awful. Yeah. This is no good. Although, uh, so racist. It felt racist. It did, didn't it? And also, felt he got racist. fucked up. Like he wasn't even successful <laughs> monkey fighter. And then uh, I mean, he was. He was winning. The, like up. during the montages, he wins. He like he gets pretty far, but still. Okay. But I was still. I was a bit bothered by that sort of representation, um, because I know like some of the top notch fighters in the world are black. Um, in fact, there's this guy, uh, there's a video, I think, of him who, who was able to block or parry, like, all of Bruce Lee's uh, uh, punches on him at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, like, a karate champion uh, in the U.S. So it, it seemed like they, to me, like, the black fighters were kind of getting the short end of the stick in this movie. The fact that he's in the tree chopping down coconuts was enough for me. Yeah, um, I saw that and was like, okay, here's me. <laughs> but it makes me think of Street Fighter where you have just these wild fight like like fighting styles coming from like everywhere and everybody is these characters which is cool like and that's i mean that's the fun thing about like i think when we get to influences we're going to talk about like ufc and mixed martial arts competitions and stuff like all these different styles coming in but like as they're showing them in this beginning scene like you see this guy in a tree and you're like okay that's what we're about to do huh it was (laughs) almost but the funny thing is that it's is yeah it seems kind of racist but also like it makes me think of breakdance fighting because, like, if this was made like ten years later, there would have been a breakdance fight. Well, fighter. sort of, <laughs> but I was—that's one thing I was disappointed about. Was you guys remember I was doing capoeira a couple summers ago, and like, mm-hmm. so I was excited to see capoeira. Like, I was like, that is just naturally would be in this, and it wasn't. Well, the reason I bring it up is capoeira became something I feel like people were more aware of in the mid '90s because they added essentially a capoeira fighter to Street Fighter. Uh, later on and then eddie gordo is a character in the tekken series who showed up in tekken 3 so the, like, and it's not like breakdance fighting is different than capoeira yes capoeira absolutely. is a real thing but it easily got conflated as kind of like the same thing it's like oh it's these kind of hip-hoppy guys who are keep moving and flipping and breakdancing or whatever so i i think that, like i said this movie was made seven years or whatever later i think instead of a monkey guy it would have been some sort of breakdance fighter because that was more current to so, the... To your, to your point, what is Jackson's fighting style? Who's Jackson? The big American. He's a wrestler. Oh Yeah, he seems He's like a, a pro wrestler. wrestler. Well. <laughs> He's like a big guy who throws people around. Yeah. He's just throwing people around and punching them. Like, Is there an answer? Yeah. No, there isn't. There's no defined fighting style for him. He's, He's an American player. wrestler. That's the, that's the style. You know what I was thinking of? is You know, we've done um, The Princess Bride. And and um, at one point, Andre the Giant joins the Brute Squad, and mm-hmm. and um, Billy Crystal's character is like, "You are the Brute Squad," mm-hmm. and he talks about like having to fight one person versus multiple people when he's fighting Wesley. I got the feeling like that's what he is. He's the throw. He's a what do you call it? a bouncer? Like throw people out of the room, like an enforcer sort of guy, mm-hmm. not a full on martial artist, such that like he can get punched a lot and then just toss somebody i I did not know what he was trying to do so he's but he's our friend right like it's funny because he is 
we're introduced, we see him fighting and getting ready, right? We get to see everybody prep. But then when they get there, we are, we see him with his beer getting on a bus and sitting across from Jean-Claude Van Damme and harassing, harassing this woman. And like, that is, I was like, what is the point of this scene? Because I thought it was like, okay, this guy's going to be a, like, I, we're not going to like this guy. And then he ends up being like the best friend. Okay. So honest question. What? Okay. It's problematic, but when does it become harassment? Because he doesn't. When he sticks do his feet up in to, your face. Oh yeah, he does. Do and that. you're kind of like. Blocked. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Because at first he was just trying to get her attention, but then yeah, he starts being pretty gross about it. And like it turns out, I think that's supposed to be endearing. Like he, John Claude, kind of like smiles or whatever. Like he, we're actually this is this is all charming, kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Ew. <laughs> but yeah, I did like. Your size has you cornered with his feet up. Trying to get your attention is not—it's not endearing to the woman, I imagine. No, um, but I, it, what was endearing was fun when they're when they actually do meet at the hotel and they're playing that video game, and yeah. um, I I really liked that, and I did like how they become friends from there because he's just like, oh, you like to play, and then like they. <laughs> Didn't you make an age joke? He was like, "Aren't you a little small?" To... Oh, he said, "Aren't you a little young to join the Kumatai?" And he's like. Aren't you a little old to be playing video games? Yeah, I liked that. It was also funny because Jean-Claude Van Damme's an adult in my mind. Like, I, they keep calling him a kid, like a kid, but kid. does he? To me, when I watched this, I was like, man, he looks like a kid. Okay, okay. I, he seemed old you disagree? to me. No, he, he was younger when he made this movie. He wasn't, like, growing up Van Damme. And while we're talking, um, I just want to point out, uh, he ends up playing one of the main characters from Street Fighter, the series, in the Street Fighter movie with Raul Julia. He plays Guile, um, so the lead character in the Street Fighter movies, which is, which is really cool, like he's coming full circle. And uh, Josh was texting with me, and he's saying that he was apparently coked up and could not remember his lines. That, that's funny. <laughs> so, um, hookers and blow. There you go. Okay, so um, now can we talk about the woman? <laughs> The woman in this, oh, yeah. who they have placed, they've decided they've decided to make her a reporter, and she's just like, like April O'Neil. I've got to talk to you. Tell me about this Kumite. Nobody will talk to me about it, and why not? And blah blah blah. Like just say like, stupid. Mm-hmm. And then we're introduced. Uh, they are introduced when one of the fighters is like, "You're coming with me," and he's like, uh, "Leave her alone." And they know that they're going to both be in trouble and kicked out of the Kumite if they actually fight. And so clever Jean-Claude Van Damme says, let's play a game um, with this coin and like who's faster and whoever wins gets her. And it's just like one of those like. um, Gross. Yeah, just gross. Like, okay, I no, I'm not playing. Like, no, thank you. This is not for me. Um, you guys can play this game and I'm leaving now. But like mm-hmm. that's what they do, and he saves her and she's into it. Like she's into it and they end up walking, like, I won you. Come on, let's go. And like they hang out. Yeah, like it's done. And I'm like, wait, what is the now you are into each other like you're dating now um and he tells her all this stuff that he really shouldn't which is irritating um what does he tell her again he tells her about the kumite like he answers the questions and like so i don't gives know her the information like, i was ah. not clear on like what is the secrecy of this is, is it <laughs> first rule of kumite is we don't talk about kumite like it wasn't secret in that way it just seemed like you can't get in 
Well, it seemed like it is secret, like can. this particular one, right? Like there are kumites and there have been kumites. So like you, others might understand the concept of it, but they don't know the like the actual details and they want to know those. I was Who's fighting? irritated when she pulls out her tape recorder. Oh my God. Oh, you're in the match? <laughs> you're in the match? I was like, what? What, you can't remember these things? Like you have to take verbal, like there's a lot of things that I feel like happen that like even though everybody should see it, doesn't see it. Cause like also there's the guy who like steals the gold tooth off of the and like eh. they really focus on it. No, it's just weird because everybody's looking at the stage and he's like so, sneaky. I was like, yeah. no way. Like, oh, maybe so, not like so, what? In real life, Frank Dukes joined the Kumite to take down organized crime that was running, and it was all run by organized crime. And that was the intent that he would infiltrate the, the tournament. They expected him to lose, but he ended up winning. How would um, that take them down? What sense does that he make? Want, he wanted to make contacts because it was all oh. the, the idea was like he would join this thing, make a bunch of contacts with people, and sort of have an idea what these criminals were doing. Instead, he ended up winning the tournament, which did, no one expected. So it became a different thing. It became sort of this legend. It's a Kumite. Mm. Um, so I can imagine it being secretive. The funny thing about this film is everyone's talking about it very openly. Like for it to be a secret, everyone's like, hey, are you in the Kumite? Like, yeah. This has to be an open secret, right? If like, you're not gonna have a bunch of uh, martial artists from all around the world showing up during the same week and nobody knowing that something's going on. I feel like it would easily be an open secret. N maybe not the details, but the fact that the Kumite is, is happening. And, yeah. and, it's, yeah. and it is, I mean, at least this, it's, it's clearly not a secret, but she's just not allowed to, know any more about it and it's also one of those where it's like it's known but you better not be the person to be sharing more information um and then also just like don't bring her in like i just why what Ugh. yeah this doesn't uh, need to be on the evening news by like with some other like hong kong businessman like shows up mm -hmm. like sleep with this dude to get, get in a good day like is your job reported that like what did you do with him to get in here you just flirted with him heavy at the bar like what are you doing? How do you get into the Kumite? You don't so, know. Tim, we we <laughs> talked about this before, like with women reporters, right? And this assumption that women reporters, in order to get a story, will do these things. Yeah. Um, and like, more. this is like, thank you, eighties. Like, here we go. <laughs> like, for, for pushing this narrative again, or maybe even helping start it. I don't know. So, guys, yeah, yeah. it's 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 a bad. I want to bring up the connection here that I see between um, this movie and um, Enter the Dragon. Can we finish her first, though? Yeah. Finish her, um, and that is so they end up. So she ends up getting in, getting to see some of it, becoming his girlfriend. She, it, the the uh, big friend gets her in the hospital, and she's in there like, "You can't do this," trying to talk him out of fighting. She's known him for days. What yeah. what what are you? Why are you caring so hard? And she brings the military people to the fight. And then she snitches. She goes and says he's, she snitches. She's the worst. She goes and tells on him to stop him from fighting. Like, who are you? Oh my God. Just to have like a female character role. Like that was the other part was like, basically they needed a woman in there for him to have like a love scene and like somebody to care about him and not want him to get hurt. Like that's the role she needed to play, but they've decided to like, give her some of this other stuff and it was just uh it was 
it was messy. Anyway, okay, that's I'm done with her. Kendon, you wanted to well, talk about I guess before we move away from her, there oh. is the end of the sex scene. Remember where he where he's clearly holding his underwear. <laughs> he down. pulls it down a little bit to he then like pull pulls them down so that he can pull them back up. Like, oh like, gosh, chewing. Uh, like they're like we we need to make sure you get a, a view of about a third of his ass. We know what you want to see. We know what you want to see. Yeah. So wow. yeah, no. To move on, I just wanted to say I feel like there's a connection here with uh, Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon, like this whole going to a secret martial arts tournament um and in that case it was to take down a uh i believe uh organized crime or drug organization so uh, yeah but he was doing like a connection to what but han was doing like drugs prostitution human trafficking illegal fighting han had a lot going on that island it's a lot Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean these triads are too they just don't focus on it that's what those triads are, are all are making their money for. Which is interesting that you're saying, Tim, like that that is the history of this guy, because like we just said, like they don't they don't show any of that in this. So it's like it's it's weird that it's absent. Well, it's a cleaner movie. And the plot the, the plot doesn't need to be like he, he's not a marsh he's not a law enforcement individual in this movie. Mm. And maybe he was too young for that to have been believable or whatever reason they wanted to focus on the tournament which i appreciated because i I was like i don't need all of this this other stuff and i mean you're right shalia to have a female character to fall in love with him and all of that but on the bright side it wasn't that she needed to be rescued which is like the case in enter the dragon right he's going to try to rescue some uh somebody um are you sure don't they have like a thing about like having to protect her where i think they threatened her um like on the side before the competition there's like a um doesn't he have to like run and be like where is she am i mixing up movies it's like after the friend is hurt whether you are or not it seems like such not a prominent part of the movie that i still think it goes to my point that that's not what she's there to do is not to be a like what would they see here's an interesting thing right like there's nobody against him the people who are against him are her and the military people who are trying to stop him from fighting chan lee does not have a problem with him other than he broke his record so he's got like a competitive problem with him and then the the since he's not there in a law enforcement capacity it's not like the uh the triads are trying to stop him from getting anything the whole challenge is fighting and winning and it makes it a cleaner movie like without un- uh, certain other unnecessary things pulling away from it i completely yeah. agree with you like i think we that 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 other story that they could have told sure but like this is much cleaner and more fun yeah by not getting into all of that and because even with they, her they, like i do think that is her role in this is like to first be saved and then to worry about him or whatever but she's not that important to the movie right. so it's like yeah. she's there for that purpose but like the movie isn't really about that it's it's about the fighting which is fun well towards the beginning i was irritated when his friend jackson i thought he i thought chon lee killed him and i was like oh god it's just no he just put him in a hospital so he's and he starts wearing his um <laughs> his, his uh what do you call it bandana so this is all like egos this is like all like pro wrestling like ego sort of stuff but it's so funny right because he's like i'm gonna avenge you and it's like but he's not dead like 
It's, 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 that's why like, I say it. it's I ego. It's all about ego, avenging your ego, which how can you even do that, right? Because now it's just proving that I'm better than the guy who beat you. So isn't that almost like a little insulting? Well, um, Jackson, Jackson's touchdown dancing in that fight with Chung Lee before he scores, right? Yeah. I was so irritated about that. I was yeah, like, this I is too much of a setup. And I was like, you haven't finished the you haven't finished the match. You know the rules. Like, who knows? This movie could have gone nowhere because he threw Chan Lee out of the ring, physically picked him up and tossed him. Right? But they had to add in the what do you call it when you're amping up the crowd in WWF? Is there a term for it or is that basically just like when they put both fists up and they're like, ah, yeah, yeah. like he was playing to the crowd and I was like, this is not a sport we're playing to the crowd or a competition we're playing to the crowd is that important. And Chan Lee does a great job of it, but is also really affectionate, effective yeah. at what he's supposed it, to be it, doing. You're fighting the most deadly guy in the tournament. Yeah. Like you're fighting the guy we've seen kill people and break people's legs and you're just, you're dancing around. Can we, can we talk about Chung Lee for a second? Yes, let's yes. do it. I love he's, him. He might be my favorite part of this movie. He's, a, he's my favorite part of the film. He's great. He's got three lines, maybe? Mm-hmm. Two? Max? But he does so much acting with his face. When Dukes breaks his record, he looks so disgusted. Do you know <laughs> what it is? It's an, Yvonne, it's an Yvonne Drago sort of performance. Right. He physically, you always know that he's a threat there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's sort of looming around the whole film with this guy who's just, you know, it's going to come down to him and Dukes at one point. And yeah. then at the end, we find out he's this dirty fighter, right? He throws dust in his eyes. I did not like that. And um, just, okay, first, the, the, reason, sorry, the reason I brought up Enter the Dragon is he, he's also in that movie. That's what brought that to my mind. So I just, so everybody knows he's, uh, Chan Lee, that actor is in that. Um, he was upset about his record being broken right? Yeah. He's all about ego. He's all about this other stuff. I thought it was dumb that he, like, to add in that he was a cheater. Because that yeah, under yeah. that undercuts the idea that he's mad about his record, to me. If he'd been cheating the whole movie, that makes sense. Yes. But he's not. He decides to cheat at the end, like, I gotta beat this American. Yeah. Like, but, like, what is that? For, like, did everybody saw him throw salt in his eyes, right? No, no one saw that. How did Just like no one saw that? the gold tooth. <laughs> Or the reporter recording into her oh, But then, then why is his... Nobody saw him get, like, punched in the eyes in a way that where he would be blinded and wiping. Like, he's behaving in a way like he just got something thrown in his eyes. Yeah. Like, yeah. He can't see anything. Yeah. Like, and there's no timeout. The other thing about this is, like, the, the ref is not there for anything other than to like say start. Like a pro wrestling match. Like, what is right? happening? The ref's back is to... Is to, to because the tag team um, partner is distracting the ref. Also, yeah. while we're on this match, because this match is awesome, um, is this where he does the nut punch? No, that's no, in the that's... beginning. Okay, it's one of his first ones. Why I didn't think did, that was. Why legal. did they break the, the middle of the stage? Because oh, you notice but... this this whole thing is on an angle for that. Why would what is that for? That's like because like, that's part of his training too. Like when he's training um, as a kid. They're training on a stage that 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 it's like two, it's like a ramp. But they never really like address why they do that for one match. Although it, it makes it makes kind of it makes it more interesting terrain for them to fight on. Yeah, you get leverage. But they don't even address it, which is you know. You can do higher higher spins, uh, yeah. jumps. Yeah. Um. So Chang Lee, the guy who plays in Bolo, um, Bolo. what else is he in? Like, what was his 
because uh, he's fucking ripped. Like, he's a bodybuilder uh, on top of a martial artist. That makes sense. Look at this fucking guy. Yeah. So he's, he's like my favorite part of this movie. <laughs> Who, Bolo Young, he was also in Double Impact with um, another Jean-Claude So Van you guys, Damme. that is my movie. That is how I know Jean-Claude Van Damme. Double yeah. Impact. He's a twin. There's two of them. And it's like amazing. And it's the best movie. It was my favorite movie for a long time. FYI. So the other like really high profile thing I see on his list is Enter the Dragon. And then mm-hmm. there's a bunch of other you know He's in a few. Oh, so he's, he's in, in a Game few of Death before well. and after. Mm-hmm. He's like he's got his own movie, 1977 Bolo. Um okay. So he's amazing. We we I think we all agree on that. Anything else you want to talk about with him? Um he's just an incredible villain in these films. He's got everything you want your villain to have. He's got the look. He's got the physique. He's got all the eye acting. He's got, he's intimidating. Um, the kind of guy I would be scared to see in an alley at night is Bolo Young. Would not want to see him. And he's not a bad actor because of like the very little lines. Like there's no parts where you like can't take him seriously because he doesn't say anything really. He's just there. And like, you know, this is the, this is the big bad for us. The other <laughs> thing I thought they did well is like, they had they referenced that he killed a guy in the last kumite right like yeah. so we know that but then they show it and it's not the guy it's not jackson that they do it's somebody else but it's like what is like the point like there was no reason he needed to kill that guy but like he did it anyway and like did he kill him yeah that one where they test they they did it under and he wasn't breathing anymore and mm. then that's when everybody like turned their back which i thought was interesting like the judges all stood up and turned around and put their back to him scared. They're okay with death in a tournament, but not unnecessary death. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was an interesting, like, showing that. Um, and I think it's because you're playing this, like, this deadly sport, you have a mechanism to tap out. Like, yeah. we're, okay, you win. I'm tapping okay. because that's it. They needed the- that here. No, they had that. Yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah, there was three ways to win, and I can't remember what the word was. One of them was to say Mate. this word and Mate. Mate. Yeah, you could you could basically tap out. That's what uh. Bolo says again. He's like, say it, say it. And he says Mate. And that's how he gets him. Which I think is a fitting in. This tough guy at the end, he doesn't knock him out. He makes him tap out by saying Mate. Which is what she tells him. That's She's like, oh. So she tells Jackson, Jackson says, oh, you knocked him out. And she says, no, even better. She made him say Mate. So that was better than the knockout, is getting this guy to quit. That's a defeat that you have to accept because you chose to say. It's right. not like, oh, you, you know, it was tricky. You, you, you made me slip out of the ring. It's not yeah, or, or any a lucky of that. Or a lucky punch. I yeah, I, do, I, I have to make the conscious decision to admit that I have been defeated. So why didn't the guy that he killed just say Mate? Because it's a movie. Oh. I I hate it so the, so I'm watching I'm it's playing it's been playing the whole time we've been doing this so oh you're watching it it's on yeah nice when Dukes is fighting the big black guy he kicks him twice and like knocks him out the ring the tall guy who doesn't yeah. who just that's like he, it's literally two hits and the guys the guy literally goes flying out the ring you know it's interesting Dukes hits he hits Chung Lee with like three spinning kicks at the end. It's like mm-hmm. this three times in a row. Mm-hmm. That's how he beats him. So um, what's also funny is he also beats him by 
like tapping into his training and remembering. And this was the funny part, like where he's like, I can't see, I can't see. And we're like, but you can fight blindfolded. Like you don't need to see. And he does figure that out. He just kind of takes a while to do it. Um, but we're like, we know that he knows how to fight without watching, without his eyes open. Yes. And we, it's funny is like the, um, the training scene where he's like feeding the tea to the, um, I want to say sensei, but you know, his, his teacher and his wife and like Kendon's laughing. Cause the wife is just like checking him out, smiling, like <laughs> these kids are in them tea blindfolded. I don't know. It's just. You know what's even though? He was, he didn't get trained to fight without being able to see by salt being thrown in his eyes. Yeah. Okay. We're probably painful. So, yeah, exactly. You have <laughs> that, that natural human reaction. Like, Oh my God, my eyes have been, taken from me as opposed they're to because it's something yeah. the funny part is the beginning when they when they go to steal that two things are funny about when they go to steal the the sword and he says oh. earn it at the end he earns the sword that's touching yeah. um but he's wearing a sacrifice a san francisco giants hat and a new york giants football team jersey he's american weird combination to say you're American. <laughs> this random sports attire but when they catch him with the sword, the son runs in and just kicks him. Like, there's not a conversation. The young son runs in and just kicks him in the stomach. And then he says, okay, son, you're free to go. And then, like, then he talks to him about, like, then he, like, swings the sword at his, at his bill of his hat and cuts it and says, you didn't flinch. You've got what it takes to be a fighter. But, but, but fact, also, you could be dumb and or not observant. Because that's how he seemed. He moved so fast. So fast. So it's like he didn't flinch. It was like I I flinch at what? Excuse me. What? And he also seemed kind of slow. Like as the other kids are coming in, he's like. "Mm." (laughs) Also, you said to make him seem American. Is he supposed to be American? Because his boy, uh, his accent stays. He's Belgian originally. Just to let you know, they're they're in America. Right. Right. Okay. But I didn't say. Did they? didn't it seem like his parents were his parents yeah. immigrants yes because yeah. they that's one of the things they talk about is like he came to uh to have his farm or his fish um and so like talking about one's like, growing wine right yeah the, yeah deuce's parents were doing wine and he was doing fish okay um which i just thought was funny like okay so i'm gonna have this conversation with you to be able to train your son but actually he's not training the son he just needed the son around to train his yeah. own son <laughs> yes, <my> son. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to be a sparring dummy for my okay, then, but then why is the son getting washed in a fight in school? Because there's Hello? multiple of them. And he's little. Come on. He kicked the shit out of Dukes earlier on. You can't none of that. No, no, came... no, 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 no. You get pushed from behind by a couple of older kids. Like, even if that kid's pretty good, like bullies, multiple bullies, take your bag, swing something at you, knock you on the ground. Like then Deuce comes in and saves him. Yeah, because yeah. it seems like Dukes is either just bigger or older than he is, doesn't it? He's older. Yeah. He's older than he's at the same school. Yeah, I, that's the dynamic I seemed to get, is that this kid has been being bullied probably because he's Asian at yeah. a, like a white school or something like that. Yeah, he's, he probably doesn't speak English as his first language. Kids are messing with him, so Dukes comes in and saves him. Yeah. I, I do love the what, what Chong Lee does with the headband. He puts it on his leg. Yeah. So funny to me. What an asshole. That's pretty funny. Do you notice what I liked about him is his his amp up 
seems like a mix between like he, he seems a little bit like a baby throwing a tantrum at the same time. Like mm-hmm. the way his arms was like. Okay, what else do you guys want to talk about? I feel like we've talked, we've hit every topic I wanted I think, to make sure yeah. we did. All right, should we rate it? Yeah, I mean, because we've all done favorite, we've, we've done, done favorites. Favorite. Yeah, this it's all great. bolo, right? We, I, we didn't. Is it we bolo head bolo? The, whatever the. T- we only brought it up very briefly. The the make a brick explode from the middle of a pile of bricks. <laughs> yeah. That's just some ridiculous shit that they put into Street Fighter games, right? Yeah. Like the ability to 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 break an enormous block of ice or do like all of these or, or destroy a pile of bricks. They actually have you fight a pile of bricks in the original Street Fighter Two. You remember that? Bonus rounds, yeah. Bonus rounds or to to destroy a car. <laughs> it's fun. Why not? You can do it. Sure. Um, I thought that was pretty cool the way they were like, show us, show us, prove it to us that you're really his it's student. Like, which, which brick? This one here. And the other guy goes, no, no. Oh, that one there. We didn't talk about the, their handler, the, um, the guy who was in him. charge of like keeping the two Americans. <laughs> like, I, yeah, like it's handling like to them. Keep the, it's like the triads hired him to keep the Americans out of trouble. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't want them getting in fights outside of the Kumite. Right. Yeah, and like, and it, like, it's all about like sense. you're not here. You're supposed to be here on time, and like trying to. Because again, it's something that they show but don't really go like too much into is this is this is not to find the the best warrior for for a bodyguard or whatever they said the original one was. This is clearly gambling. This is oh, just yeah. that. Which means that somebody may or may not have a bet on one of these two Americans, and they're going to be pissed off if they go and get their leg broken <laughs> outside of the Kumite. If they're going to fight with another fighter. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Any of this stuff happens that messes up the betting pool, right? <laughs> or somebody who has a bet against them does it to get them out of there. Yeah. Like, you've got you've got to have that. So, there, we, so there's that guy, which we liked. We thought he was kind of funny. Yeah, I liked him. Yeah. Um, Johnny? Yeah, and then like okay, so then um, finally the whole thing of like I'll meet you guys at the airport. So going quickly back to the two FBI guys. No, they're military police. Military police. Um, so the two MPs like, I'll meet you guys. I'll I'll see you guys at the airport on this day. I'll see you guys at the airport on this day. And then um, after the fight the next day or whatever, they're like, oh, he's not here, and he, he's on the plane. Come on, guys, I'm waiting. That was so I goofy. saw you were. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. He, he, he was he was like sense. on purpose waiting like until it's like a minute after he's supposed to be there so he can yeah. pop out and say it but like, like i can see my dad doing that or like yeah. any of like this like just the kind of joke that we would do right like oh i'm waiting for you i'm gonna pretend like i'm sleeping waiting a long time right. but it's just like they he's, would know who's on like they're standing out in front of the plane like you would think the first thing they would do when they get there to say is he here yet like He's an extremely endearing character, I think, is the part, is the point of all of this, though, right? Oh, I see. Is that it? I think so. He's like, ah, that prankster. It it seemed, when I saw it, it made me think of the coin game that he played. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, he's kind of a master of sleight of hand-ish sort of. Or he had made them chase him, right? Like, and he would slow down so they could catch up and then start running again. Like, he was, yeah, you're right. He's, like, lighthearted and fun. Um. Also, it's kind of funny when they're at the hotel trying to uh, take him in and um, they like pull their tasers out and that's when Jackson like just 
brushes them. Tackles yeah. them. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and <laughs> so when he returns Jackson's headband, he says, wherever you need me, I'm there. Like, over a headband? Like, I guess. They're no, it's over a bond. The, the headband is whenever you just a symbol. Ever. I'm there. All right. Yeah, All right. no. So rate it. All right, Bloodsport, 1988. It's a classic. Right? Is it's it a classic? classic? Are we past it? Yeah, it's a classic. It's classic. It has a fairly low Rotten Tomato score, which I guess is not surprising, it's but not this is a great, great movie. movie. No, it is a great movie. It's uh, yeah, so it is fun. Um, it's oh. not too offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I guess it's one thing we, I wanted to mention is he makes sure to do the splits a lot to prove that he, I, I feel like it's there to prove that he is not somebody else isn't doing these things right mm -hmm. he can do the splits he they pull him apart with ropes so mm -hmm. um I just wanted to add that we didn't mention that yeah him and his splits are uh, are are famous um, I want to watch Double Impact. Mm -hmm. Does I he do seen that in Time Cop? That's mm -hmm. the only thing I can think of from in Time Cop. He's there's a fight and he jumps up and does the splits onto like a kitchen counter. He oh, I know that scene. He also did it on command a lot. I feel like like there would be like uh, in interviews and things. Yeah. Do the splits. Also, was originally supposed to be the Predator and Predator, which is even funnier. But he's too Predator little, right? Too small, they said. Yeah. He's fun. This was fun. I'm glad. I'm glad you suggested it, Tim. Yeah. Um, what do we guys want to do next? How, do we have something else on deck for next for next week? No, I'm down for whatever. There's a 1984 Supergirl movie on HBO. Want to do Supergirl? Yeah, sure. 1984. Sounds good. To wait, me. wait, Supergirl 1984. And Instead what's coming Wonder out? Woman. Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do Supergirl 1984. Okay. Next week, when, Kendon, what will we be? We'll be back. Cool. Nice job. Well, I was thinking that maybe we could go down to